0: And I think that applied to me as a teacher, as a building principal, as a district leader, pausing enough to step back and say, what is it I'm doing in this moment and why am I choosing to do that? And I think helping to frame that for people as opposed to here's the list of the right strategies and then the wrong strategies. To me, it's just so much more elegant about what's the right move at this moment in time and why am I choosing that? Being so intentional that you can almost verbalize that for yourself.
1: Education Uncharted is a show from Propello, a K-12 teaching and learning platform that helps districts and teachers give every student a first-class learning experience. I'm your host, Amanda Bratton, exploring the stories of courageous educators that have broken out of the status quo to chart new paths and boldly innovate in the ever-changing landscape of education. Today we're joined by Chris Beals, project manager at the Washington Association of School Administrators, also known as WASA. With a decade of experience as a classroom teacher and 28 years supporting educators and administration roles, Chris shares his wisdom as we discuss how to empower our schools and district staff through modeling, connecting with our why, and embracing our humanity. Plus we managed to sneak a few references in to everyone's favorite life coach, Ted Lasso. Thank you so much for joining us today, Chris. It's a pleasure to have you here. I'm wondering if you can just tell us a little bit about your background what sparked your interest in education, what motivated you to follow your path from being a classroom teacher to your current role with the Washington Association of School Administrators.
0: Thanks for the opportunity to be with you, Amanda. I appreciate that. And uh, looking forward to our conversation. Uh, If I were to think back about what led me, what was my path? was born in the Midwest and I think you might say that I grew up with those Midwest sensibilities. My grandparents had a dairy farm, lots of priority around working hard, put your head down, keep going, persevere, don't give up kind of a thing. So I set that there and then on the opposite side of inspiration was my paternal grandmother who was born in 1890, she lived to be 101. She was in her day way ahead of her time as a woman leader. She was a high school assistant principal in the days when women were certainly not in those roles. And I think she played a big part in just inspiring me to to be a learner and ultimately an educator. When I think back to my first opportunity as a student teacher way back in Ohio in a fifth grade classroom, I remembered walking out after one of the first few days thinking, one, I'm a bit overwhelmed, I don't know what I'm doing, (laughs) but also thinking, gosh, I have probably 40 years of a career in this, And I don't think it's going to be long enough. I love this so much. Throughout my career, I've always felt to see myself as a teacher first. So I've been really fortunate to be surrounded by amazing people who saw things in me that I didn't often see in myself and gave me opportunity. And really, that is what led me from the classroom to being a building administrator and then ultimately a district administrator. And even at the end of 30 plus years of that work, the opportunity to join WASA I think I was inspired by the fact that I could have an opportunity to impact more broadly and hopefully to reach and support more people across our state of Washington around the work that I'm just passionate about, which is student learning, teaching and learning. So that's probably the shortened version of how I ended up where I am today, what I'm doing today.
1: Chris, I wanted to just ask a little bit more. Tell me how you then transitioned from that experience in the classroom to wanting to move forward and be a school leader, an administrator, and maybe also a teacher leader, right?
0: To be completely honest, I don't know at the beginning that I necessarily did want to do that. I didn't necessarily have that in my vision. And I think it really was others. I think about a particular principal I had when I was a teacher, I taught for three or four years, and I think she really nudged me and encouraged me to take on leadership roles at the school level. She put opportunities in front of me that I didn't necessarily know I could do, uh, but she knew I could do. And then I was just really, i been so fortunate with a continued path of leaders like that who gave me opportunity and nudged me a bit and just said, you can do this. You're ready to do this. And and that's really what led me to taking on an assistant principal role at, the, at a couple of different elementary schools and then ultimately getting my credential and first principalship as an elementary building leader. And that has stayed with me that we each have an opportunity really to encourage others who may not see something in themselves that we see in them.
1: So it sounds like you had at least one really great mentor. You authored an article for Ed Week. Where you shared that research tells us that learning is anchored more solidly when we have a positive emotional connection. And there's that mentorship there again. We hear so much about these added strains on teachers and administrators right now, both in their daily work and in their professional relationships with each other. Based on your experience with mentors and mentoring, do you have any practical advice or strategies that you could share with? District administrators who are looking to build those stronger, more positive relationships with their staff.
0: One of the things that helped me to do that, and I certainly was not perfect by any means, but something that I tried to always hold forward was always keeping that perspective of what is life really like in a classroom. And I was blessed because my wife is a kindergarten teacher. And so for 30 plus years, I had a day-to-day, blow-by-blow. This is what really happens in my classroom each day. And that gave me that perspective and I think empathy. So to me, one of the strategies I think is always to show that empathy and understanding and to try to filter any decision or leadership move through the lens of the teacher or the teachers that will be impacted by that in the real classroom. I've been really fortunate to work with Dr. Jenny Donahue and she and Stephen Katz, I wrote a piece a few years ago, but in that piece, one of the things that stood out to me was the notion that it really only takes a small amount of trust in order for teachers or others to take a risk, to take a chance to better themselves. And that has really stayed with me to think about. Sometimes it's tempting to think we have to wait until we've built this many years worth of trust before we can make movement or ask others to take a risk. What the research tells us is it really is a small amount Uh, And they're almost wired. Our brain is easier to trust than it is to mistrust. And for me, that translated to just really looking for opportunities to be near and in classrooms, have conversations with teachers about what the work really looks like and sounds like, and let them know that I'm hearing that. I think that has gone a long way for me in my experience.
1: What are some of the things that you do on a daily basis or have done in the past to reflect that and help teachers to see that you understand where they are and you're there to support?
0: Probably they're simple things, but little things sometimes are big things. Uh, so I think about times when I was a district administrator and I might have a team of teachers who would send an email, we have a question, we're really wrestling with this. What's the district's answer on that? Or what is it you want us to do kind of a thing? And rather than what might be tempting to just send an email back. I might just choose to stop by if I know this is about when their lunchtime is. I think I'm just going to be in that building and wander by that person's classroom, just engage face-to-face. Or another strategy that is simple, but I think has gone a long way, like when we would organize professional development for teachers, if we could prepare things ahead of time for them to have in their hands that they're going to use in the classroom and build time in for them to be ready to implement this strategy or change or piece of curriculum that we were doing professional learning around, I think that sends a strong message. We believe in you and we recognize this is a lot of work and we're trying to do some of that legwork for you to help you be successful. And we're learning it together. We're all learning in this together. And we want to know after this, how did that go and what do we need to do next collectively? So I think those are little, maybe subtle things, but I believe they build trust over time and create that environment where people are willing and able to take risks.
1: What about this idea of exquisite instruction? Some of our listeners might not be familiar with this, and I wonder if these things are in proximal zones. If we are showing that we trust, does that come through in what exquisite instruction is? So I'm wondering if you can maybe lead us down the road of what that means and why might school and district leaders wanna build upon this idea Where
0: that term came from was really my learning from afar, watching Shelly Harwain, who was a building principal at the Manhattan New School in New York District Two, and then ultimately became superintendent there. My early career as a principal, she was my go-to. I was reading and rereading and marking up her books, trying to learn as much as I could, and then having the opportunity to visit the school where she was uh, principal at that time. And that phrase, I think to her, was how she described when you walk in a classroom and things are just humming, like you see students authentically engaged in the learning, you hear good noise, you see the teacher elegantly moving from spot to spot. I think maybe another phrase that I could use that would describe exquisite instruction in my head is knowing what you're doing and why you're doing it in any given moment. And I think that applied to me as a teacher, as a building principal, as a district leader, pausing enough to step back and say, what is it I'm doing in this moment? And why am I choosing to do that? And I think helping to frame that for people, as opposed to here's the list of the right strategies and then the wrong strategies. To me, it's just so much more elegant about what's the right move at this moment in time, and why am I choosing that? Being so intentional that you can almost verbalize that for yourself. So I think about that as the definitions of exquisite instruction and why I think that matters, especially as district leaders, we have so many opportunities to model that and lift that up. And I think especially in times when there are just so many competing distractors and very challenging times and incredibly hard things that are coming at our teachers and our principals and leaders. I believe for most of them, Getting back to that learning is why they got into this work to begin with and helping them to tap back into that why is inspiring. And for me, anyway, helped me to lift above that other fray that you're going to have always and anchor yourself back in. Why am I doing this? What really is going to matter here in 20 years or 30 years? So I guess that's the notion that is in my mind about that.
1: And are we seeing when you model this Do we see it also reflected into classrooms and are we seeing outcomes that are changing because of the way that we are modeling this type of thought process and thought, think and do process?
0: I want to believe that I know that it did transfer. I have certainly seen evidence of that. And that's rewarding when you model something, for example, at a meeting of principals And then you happen to stop in at one of their staff meetings and you see them modeling that strategy with their teachers and then walk in the halls, you see a teacher two or three or five or six using that strategy with students. So that's certainly anecdotal evidence about impact of implementing a new strategy. But, you know, Hattie's work too is really clear about we're pretty good at implementing new strategies. We're not necessarily good at implementing strategies that translate to student learning. It's a matter of I think digging underneath that, again, why am I using the strategy? Not just because it's on a list. Why am I using it right now? What is the outcome I'm looking for with the learning audience, students or whoever that may be?
1: That's really interesting. And I think that we sometimes forget as we move out of a classroom, once a teacher, always a teacher. Sometimes we lose that connection. We start thinking, okay, I have so much else to think about. I have so many other things on my plate. I need to look at things from a really different perspective. And we start to lose touch with the why of what we do. And so when we can start to make that connection with who we are as an educator and bring that to the work that we continue to do, even if we've moved out of teaching K-12 students, if we're now moving into that space of helping to support educators and administrators within our district, always getting back to that why is just so critical because so often it is rooted in empathy and where we started the whole process to begin with.
0: And what you made me think of there is even when we're faced with that other work, there's really is always or often an opportunity still to be modeling that. Like a strategy I use, it's simple. It's not rocket science, but just a simple T-chart that I might keep in my journal. And maybe that's the place where I'm keeping one of the next few times that I gather with building principles, we need to work on this content. Maybe it's a policy. Maybe it's a new state administrative code. Maybe it's something within the community. That's the content. But on the other side of the T-chart, What are the strategies? When I walk that building, I learned some of my best strategies by watching amazing classroom teachers. And I'm going to lift that strategy that I saw so-and-so doing in her fifth grade classroom. And I'm going to apply that to the learning we're going to do around this new board policy, as an example. That was a practical strategy for me to just keep that running log of, okay, what are all the content pieces that are coming that we have to make sure we get to? And What are the great strategies I'm seeing and where can I find a match? That is double duty, two things at once.
1: I feel like that is just a moment of clarity that anybody can implement. This is something that I can do as a classroom teacher. I can say, here's what I'm teaching and here's what I've seen. Here are all the strategies I can use. What's gonna most get me what closest to that space that I'm aiming for?
0: It's really back to that same notion of What strategy am I gonna use and why? Being purposeful about that, intentional about that.
1: So speaking of being intentional, I wanna be intentional about somebody that you mentioned in your Ed Week article. One of my very favorite people, Ted Lasso. You mentioned in your article about some of the strategies that he uses in the show to coach. He reminds his players again and again that even when things are hard, they have to believe. As we continue to talk about being intentional and finding matches, what advice do you have for educators who want to create positive, lasting change, but they just feel like they're fighting an uphill battle?
0: It's challenging. But I think about Ted Lasso as that example, and I think about some of the things that he does that I admire. He really gets to know each individual player and in a meaningful way, and he uses that as a coach or a leader. One of the things I've noticed as I watch that show from a leadership lens is you know, there will be some sort of fray. there will be some something that's a big disruption, and he's incredibly calm and will stand back and watch and listen. And often he'll have maybe just one line that he'll say, and then he lets that hang. And I think for me that translates to, we have an opportunity to just model calm confidence. Okay, let's step back from this moment. What is it that's going to be remembered 20, 30, 40 years from now? What is it that our community, our families most want for their children? What I found as a teacher and a building and district leader is it's really quite simple and complex, but they wanna know that I know their kid. They wanna know that I care about them. They want to trust that I'm doing the very best for them. And they want to come alongside us one example that i think about is and this makes me feel a little old but i'm going to share it <laughs> one of my former students so i taught him in fourth grade Well, he grew up of course he was a teacher and went back to get his principal to credential and i ended up in the position of interviewing him for a building principalship in our district which is not the district i taught in or he went to And in that interview, in the community presentation, he shared a story about when I was his teacher. He remembered two things that I really had not even thought about in years. One was he remembered uh, that I had given him a card when his grandfather passed away, Uh, he was 10. He also remembered that I knew that he was a big Notre Dame football fan. And I happened to have a friend of mine who was attending Notre Dame at the time, and I was able to get an autograph for my student of one of the quarterbacks from the Notre Dame Irish football team at that time. Again, to me little, but 30 years later in an interview, he brought that up as evidence or an example of the impact we can have. When things get hairy and distraught and high anxiety, which they seem to be doing a lot these days, being able to step back and just think in this moment, what is going to be lasting? What can I do that's going to ripple and impact those that I'm supporting and serving and the students that they're serving? And I think there's something settling about that for the individual, your school or your district, your organization. I just believe we have an opportunity. I think that impact matters. And we don't often know the ripples that creates in others.
1: It's profound. Just being people and connecting on a personal level really does make a difference. You're doing some really amazing work at WASA. And for those listeners who don't know what, I, what we're speaking about, this is the Washington Association for School Administrators. And the mission that you have is to help build education leaders focused on equity and excellence for all students. Based on this work and all of the experience that you bring with you, is there a key, is there a magic wand that would work to make one sweeping change across all of K-12 education? Is there something that you think we could do to help get us closer to achieving WASA's mission?
0: I am inspired by the people that I see in our state, and I'm sure it's true across the nation, by their commitment and their dedication to kids and maybe even more Striking to me is at a time when it feels uncommon and difficult for many adults to have civil, thoughtful, respectful conversations with one another when they may not agree. I'm inspired by the educators that I come in contact with on a regular basis that are modeling, that manage to show up every day, that take a breath and model respectful, inclusive, embracing language and thoughts i think if i were to have that magic wand i would want for that to become pervasive because i do truly believe that if we can tap back into the why that passion that we have and we i want that for students i want them to be learning what they're passionate about i want that for teachers to be experimenting and taking risk and growing around the areas that they're passionate about. I just think that building on that strength is the key to how we move forward and how we grow this. And I I have a lot of hope actually, because I see it in individuals who are faced with extremely difficult, challenging situations and somehow manage to do that every day. And so my magic wand would probably be to just spread that as quickly and pervasively as possible. Because I think the answers are within us really. And it's just a matter of tapping in and in the space to share and learn those things from one another, with one another.
1: This has been great, Chris. I think that just reminding ourselves, maybe more often than we do, that the reason that we started is the reason why we're still here. And that finding that reason on a daily basis, finding that why, and as you said, tapping into that really does provide the motivation and the answers for how to move forward when we're faced with tough day-to-day grind. We can get stuck in that overwhelming feeling of this is just more than I can handle. But if we zero in on what it is that we're here to do and why we started it in the first place, it really does bring us back to a space of calm and a feeling of recognizing that we can do this. If we started it on day one, Feeling like we didn't know a thing. (laughs) And we're still here today feeling maybe I know a few more things. It's a place that we can continue to return to. And I feel like based on what you're sharing that you you really do have hope for where we're headed next.
0: I do. And I think it's because of the people that are in that work. And um, when you were talking, one of the things you made me think about, and I can't quite place where this comes from now, but the notion of noticing and naming and it made me think about really in our everyday walk through hallways of schools or in a meeting with other leaders or principals or gathering people from multiple districts, we have opportunity really every day to notice those examples of that and name it for people. Because I think often, I think about probably building principals most because that was the group that I provided a lot of support to. And they did phenomenal work but often they were so bogged down with, that's exhausting. The good work can sometimes be hard. And at the end of a very difficult situation where they acted amazingly, they were just so tired that they maybe didn't step back and say, I did that part pretty well. And to name that for them, I think that simple act is inspiring and helps to lift them up of, Okay, that was hard, but I stayed true to this, which I do believe, or I demonstrated that, which I have said to my staff over and over is important in our school or whatever that might be. And I think that we don't have a magic wand, but that might be a little way to have little magic wands around that idea of noticing. and naming.
1: Yeah. And a way to recognize that every step that we take is a step in the direction of making a change that we want to see. Thanks again, Chris. We absolutely enjoyed having you here today. I'd love to check back in with you and see how things are going over the next school year. And we're always looking for new ways to encourage administrators and staff members in schools to just try a new thing that can get you moving towards The goal that you have. We love hearing the examples that you gave for us today. And we're going to keep following you and seeing the work that you're doing at WASA. We can't wait to continue to follow you and see the work that you continue to do in the future.
0: Well, thank you, Amanda. I appreciate the opportunity. And I think what I would probably say about that is it's really not my work. It's really all of our work. And the inspiration comes from those little examples we see around us every day. So it's my pleasure to be able to just Think about those as an avenue for how we continue to improve and, and better ourselves for kids.
1: As we wrap up today's podcast, our conversation with Chris has left us with some powerful insights from rediscovering the why for educators to prioritizing impactful investments. We've covered it all. Remember. Just like Ted Lasso, building meaningful connections, modeling calm confidence, and earning trust within our communities can go a long way in education. Chris's heartwarming story of his experience with a former student who eventually became an educational professional himself reminds us of the lasting impact we as educators can have. Remember, as you walk through the hallways and classrooms of your schools and districts, Seize every opportunity to notice and name the great work being done. These micro celebrations of even seemingly small victories can have a ripple effect that spreads further than we ever imagined. Even on the toughest days, there are so many reasons to be hopeful about the future of education. And I'm so thankful Chris joined us to share some of those reasons today. I'm Amanda Bratton. For more conversations with bold educators exploring uncharted territory, click the link in the show notes or visit propello.com backslash learn to learn more.